Welcome to Hope in the Good Life, a podcast that brings you stories of hope from those connected in different ways with Catholic Social Services of Southern Nebraska. CSS is a nonprofit organization that has been around for nearly a century, helping our neighbors in need of all faiths across 24,000 square miles of Southern Nebraska. Now, here's your host of Hope in the Good Life, John Sukup. Welcome once again to Hope in the Good Life. Fahim Rashidi, my guest today, owner of Lincoln Pharmacy, came to the capital city in 2000 from Afghanistan and was resettled here by Catholic Social Services. Today, he's helping to provide hope in the good life to refugees just by telling his story of hope. And he'll be sharing that with us today. Fahim, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, John. Absolutely. Well, let's start from the beginning. Why did you leave Afghanistan in the first place? John, I left Afghanistan just like you see today that thousands and thousands of people are leaving. It was not safe to to live there anymore. Uh, Even though I was a child at that time that we left Afghanistan, but my mother, she needed to get out of there and find a safer place for the kids. What was that journey like to leave? I still get some uh, um, nightmares about it. no shoes, holding my mother's hand, running around. And when I saw the same thing uh, in August of 2021, it just reminded me. I, I, For a moment, I thought that I'm walking and running and finding a safe place for myself and my kids. Scary. Yeah, I can only imagine. Now, when you left, it was you, your mother, and a sister, or how old were you? My father passed away when I was seven years old in Afghanistan, um, me and my five sisters, woman could not work. There was no way of income for us. So my mother took us to Pakistan to live in refugee camps. From Afghanistan at age seven, I went to Pakistan to, to be in refugee camps until I came to the United States. How long were you in Pakistan? Then? We were in Pakistan for about six years. In a refugee camp? In refugee camps. Describe that camp. What were that kind of con- living conditions? Exactly what you see. Uh, just Google refugee camps. You see white tents uh, living, 10 people in one tent, sharing one bathroom, 50 people, taking a shower once every month if you find water, dusty never seen a doctor before. It, it is a completely different life than you think that I am a human being and I live in, on this world and people don't have an idea about um, how your life is going. How did you find your way out and how did you get to Lincoln? When we were living in uh, Pakistan, my mother had some documentation. My father, during the Cold War, he worked with the U.S. for over 45 years. The United States had a huge base reconstruction company in southern Afghanistan, and that's where my father worked. We had some documentations. And when we lived in Pakistan and we knew that there is this opportunity, that's how my mother kind of approached the embassy and and see if there is a a way for us to, to come to the United States. Did you ever imagine you'd end up in a place like Lincoln, Nebraska? No, never. What did you imagine? I actually never thought there is life beyond those refugee camps. I always thought that this is how everybody in the world lived, that you live in this white tent with, with many other people. That was the, the top of you know the dream that I thought you have. But as we got closer to big cities and, and going through this process, then I knew that there might be something beyond the, the white tents that we see every day. Well, tell us again how you got to Lincoln, that whole process. What sort of experiences did you have in between? 
when when we had the letter, I was I was 15 at that time. That my sister actually told me that I think we're going to America. For me, thinking of America was always the poster of movie stars that you see or something that you saw on TV. You don't know anything beyond that. What's America? Where is America? It was a wonderful feeling. Like, well, are we going? Are we going for real, or are they going to just say you're going to America and then we just you know get off and nobody is going to take care of us? But as we were getting close to the date, it seemed like the, the dream is coming a reality. The, the whole feeling, it was just getting a reality until we sat in this huge plane from Pakistan that we were going to America. I've never seen a big plane like that. For a while, I was really shaken, kind of like, well, this doesn't seem good. Can we turn back? Because it's very scary. Um, but yeah, we ended up in Lincoln, Nebraska. Lived here ever since. When you arrived in Lincoln, you met somebody here at Catholic Social Services to get you resettled. How was that process? I got to tell you, the reason I'm sitting here and I am supporting is because a lot of the things that we accomplished in our life was from those first days. You come to a country that you can't even dream. It's a completely different life, people, language, culture, clothes. Everything is different. But the process that we had with Catholic Social Services, especially the first few months, was so smooth and helpful that I think a lot of the refugee families, pretty much I would say everybody would have the same experience and has the same experiences that we got wonderful help. I came to this, got off the airport. I had Tim and Kate Pieper, still friends. We still talk to each other. I met him yesterday. Mm-hmm gave us some flowers, and then we straight came to... Actually, we went to a church on Havelock in the basement of a church. We lived for about a week because our family was big and, and there wasn't an apartment available. The caseworker, they brought us the next day to the thrift store, still exists, told us just get whatever you want, clothing. I just didn't... It, it just didn't seem real to me because I never experienced anything like that. But it was a reality. It's just the generosity of kind people that, that kind of really struck to me in the first few weeks that even though we were all different, speaking different language, look different, uh, but our hearts were, our goals were the same just to help one another. Tell me about meeting your wife here in Lincoln. <laughs> right here where we are sitting, there used to be a old country buffet. The CSS headquarters yeah. here used to be the Old Country Buffet. Old Country indeed. Buffet. <laughs> and Tim Peeper one day said, you want to go eat outside? And I said, yeah, let's do it. We came to Old Country Buffet, and we have this beautiful girl coming serving. And I'm 16 at that time. She had an accent like I do. And I think I either ask or she asked where we're from. And we were both from Afghanistan. She, was, she came to the same process through Catholic Social Services three months before me. So she already started working. And ever since we talked and then we went to the same school and we get to know one another and we've been married for 12 years. And, <laughs> and how many children? Four children, four beautiful kids oh, um, between nine, eight, ages nine, seven, five, and four, almost <laughs> four, so... But yeah, that's how I met Robbie. One of the biggest challenges you faced as you started a new life in a new country. Starting, we, we hear the, the word refugee all the time. Refugees, refugees, we, we hear it, we talk about it. But having that feeling to be a refugee is 
very scary and very hard to, to, to cope with. The reason is that for me, the big challenge was cultural differences. I didn't know how to dress. I didn't know how to start a communication. I didn't know how to make friends. I didn't know how to buy groceries, how to move with my daily tasks. Mm. At age 16, when you have all that, it's, it makes it a little bit challenging. But again, the support of friends and, and, and families and Catholic social services that I had, it was making it easy. Day by day, I was realizing that even though it's challenging, uh, we have help. Things doesn't work, and if it's absolutely to a point that I cannot live, I was like, well, at least I made some friends. <laughs> so if I if I ever was sent back to Afghanistan or if I couldn't live here, I made some met some wonderful people around. Is that kind of what kept you going? I mean, there's times I'm sure you're like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? This is not, this is, I'm serious about this. For about the first two years, I thought Lincoln, Nebraska was America. I didn't think that there was another city or town or mm. anything beyond Lincoln, Nebraska. But what was making me keep going is that I had now shower, I had light, I had life for myself at age 16, which comparing to a refugee camp, now we we have all these opportunities and I met Rabia, she's working already, making good money per hour. So for me, it was an opportunity and I was thinking to myself, well, if this is a starting point for me, then my kids will have a better starting point because then I can tell them, well, your dad went through these and you have everything available for you. Uh, so I made it a goal to to put every minute of my life to work, make sure I get somewhere. What was your first job? My first job was at Kawasaki um, preparing painting rooms for the morning shift. I was working at nighttime, kind of preparing all the, the painting equipment for the morning staff so they can do their duties. Were you working among some other refugees as well? Uh, there was one another person that I met here at Catholic Social Services. He was from a different country, but we didn't really think. Now that we live in a country that we, you know, everybody speak this different language and I felt so comfortable. So I, it was, it made it easy for me to make friends. Uh, he was from, from uh, Iran and we both were taking one car to work back and forth. It was a night shift job. It was the best feeling to get that first paycheck, which I don't think my parents made it in a year. I think it was probably $180, my first paycheck that I had. Mm, yeah. I think I still have the pay stamp that I kept. So you started working, and now you're a successful businessman. You own Lincoln Pharmacy, 33rd and A. Uh, how did you get that far? It, it is, again, that, you know, the hope and the opportunities that you have. If I get these opportunities at age 16, why not follow it? Why not pave the path for other refugees that are coming to tell them, share my story? So for me, education was always important. My mother never went to school, but she would every day tell me that if you want to have a good future, you your education completed. If you complete high school, go to college. If you complete college, she said education never ends. So you graduate, you get your doctorate degree, there's always something new that you learn. And I think that stuck in my head. Um, and I always, even though she's not here, every time I, I walk into the pharmacy, um, I think about my mother on how much she pushed us to, to, to be educated. I was walking to schools. I didn't have a car. I couldn't take a bus because I get motion sickness. Otherwise, I would have a headache and, and vertigo the whole day. Hmm. 
Um, so I would walk, ride a bike in, in December to school and then walk back and forth. The whole goal for me was that hopefully if I succeed, I can share my story with the rest of my family members that are you know, young, younger than me too, that if you work hard, you will get mm. your goal. Which is the American dream. Exactly. I always heard the American dream, the American dream, but it is real. You, um, the opportunities, not, not everywhere, John, you will get this opportunity to, to come to a country, start something from scratch, where you start everything from scratch and you become a pharmacist and you open your own pharmacy and then you help other people. This is something to appreciate. This is something to, to be proud of. And this is something to be, you know, not selfish about it. If you share it with others and, and help others, others can do the same thing. I belong to a business group, and that's one of their core values, giver's gain. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Definitely. So what are you doing to help pave the way for others? The first thing I do is to meet the families, the refugees. We, we will focus on Afghan refugees because I speak the language, I talk to them, but refugees Right now, we see a lot coming from Ukraine, and this unfortunately will not be the last that we say things end. There might be another country that will see refugees, but the best thing is that to, to, to focus on the kids. Adults and elderly, they will have the opportunity to, to you know, communicate, talk, get to know people, but kids are the one that will really push the, the, the future of that family. They learn English pretty quick. They can be helpful to the parents to translate, to help. So my focus always is to meet with the family. The first thing I do is share my story, tell them how I got here and make them feel comfortable and tell them if you want to be successful, if you want to be independent, make sure you send your kids to school. Make sure they get educated and make sure you... Learn the culture. It will make it easy for you. Then we'll, we'll help ask them what their needs are. Everybody is in need here when they come in. But I think the biggest need is the welcome, you know, to, to, so you feel part of the community. That was at least a big change for me when somebody would smile at me and tell me, hey, how are you? You're from Afghanistan. Welcome. I, I, I felt really happy when I was walking home. Like, well, that person is not really thinking about me, you know, just go home. Not that I don't see it. I still see it. People still sometimes directly stop, tell me something. But I focus on the nine people that are welcoming me instead of one person pushing me. So say I was a refugee from Afghanistan. You're sitting in front of me right now. What would you tell that person? I would tell you that you are in America. And I would share, and the, the thing that I would tell him is the American dream. For you, you live here. Our whole life we spent in Afghanistan. In, in America, it's, it's a different story. You have opportunities, but you have to work hard for it. I can tell you you're going to be successful. I can push you, but you take the steps. You walk through that goal. If you want to, at least if you don't want, focus on your kids. If you want your kids to have a better future, consider yourself part of the community. Ask for help. If you don't know something, always make sure you ask for it. There's always somebody who will help you. And you will achieve your dream. And what would you tell somebody that maybe is not a refugee, that has I'll been tell, here in this country, maybe, maybe was born in this country? This is, this is one thing I always think, and I tell my, my kids that because they were born here. Mm -hmm. I would tell them that there are people living in refugee camps that we don't know about. 
doesn't mean that, you know, I want you to compare your life to uh, somebody living in a refugee camp, but I want you to appreciate what you have. When you wake up in the morning, just say, thanks God for giving me, you know, another day. Every day we breathe, we communicate, we, we drive. You know, we never know what happens. Whether you're born here in America or somewhere else, everything that we have, the light. I'd never had a light. You have a light when you wake up. You go to the bathroom, you turn on your light. This, somebody will laugh at that. People don't have that. People wait until the next sun come out to go do their homework because they didn't have light to do that homework at night. You have all those opportunities. You have everything. Put it to use. Be a good person and, and, and realize that you have all these, whether you're a kid or you're an elderly person. And always ask for help. I still ask Tim. Whatever decision I make, I asked him. He was the first I asked, and I still ask him because he has more experience. I'd rather, you know, clarify something than just jump into it. And as you said earlier, thank God every day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Fahid Rashidi, thanks so much for joining us and for giving us more hope and the good luck. Thanks for having me, John. You've been listening to Hope in the Good Life with Catholic Social Services Development Officer John Sukup. If you would like to connect, donate, or volunteer with CSS, please visit cssshope.org or call 402-474-1600.